Hey, this is Wilson. No Jason this week, as always. No Galvez either. Uh, but I have a very special guest. Um, this guy is a, a super talented uh, voiceover actor, uh, narrator. Uh, he, he narrated my um, one of the short films I did called The Garden, which may have been the, uh, you know, the, the, the you know, little short that I did that, uh, you know, it was a, a little lyrical essay type video. And so I wrote it and Christopher Blevins acted it and I got Thomas through the narration and he kind of saved it because it wasn't much until he lent, lent his, uh, his voice to it. Uh, so this guy is, uh, you know, like I said, he's a great narrator. You know, he's, a, he's in other things. You know, he does a little acting. Uh, he does some, I mean, he's in the music. Uh, so we're just going to learn about Thomas. It's, you know, just a really cool, really talented guy. Um, and he's uh, on Discord right now. Uh, Thomas, uh, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, hello there, Anthony. Hey, how you doing out there? Yeah, you see? <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Now. Well, this is radio, so I, what do I see? Nothing. Sorry, Anthony. I was born in New York. I can't help it comes out of me so easily. <laughs> yeah. You see, Tom, Tom is a man. He's a man of many voices, of many different talents. Uh, and we're just going to start right at the beginning here. Uh, Thomas, let the people know uh, where were you born? You know, uh, you know what yeah. type of uh, you know, upbringing you had that led you to be the type of creative person that you are. Ooh, good question there. That's a good question. Well, I think I was born in Brooklyn. I can never remember if it's uh, Brooklyn or New York or if Brooklyn's not an official city or if it's anyway. Long t a long time ago, way, way, way back. And um, But uh, it was cool actually growing up on Long Island. And um, we moved out to California in the early 70s. So after third grade, that's why I don't, that's why I don't have that accent, but it's real easy to, to, to emulate it because my dad always used that accent. Uh, actually, uh, my mom was a Californian, moved to New York, met my dad and started a family. And then we moved uh, to California. And I was actually in a small time entertainment family. So my dad was always a small-time entertainer doing, in New York, he was a band leader with a little uh, band with horns and such. Uh, and then he would play in a rock combo as well. He was a drummer. Uh, and what else was it? I'm, I'm sure there's some other things that'll come up. But when he moved, when we moved to California, there wasn't, oh, and a, and a small-time comedian as well he would do. So that's where a lot of the the voices come from and a lot of the encouragement. And it was kind of nice not growing up with a regular white collar or blue collar household where we were, my sister and I encouraged, you know, to draw and to express ourselves. And um, as he was always imitating a lot of the very old time um, actors and celebrities, we would hear a lot of different uh voices uh that he would do and so we were encouraged to do that as as well so i made a list recently it was about a uh, hundred different accents and voices and still going and i can't believe that <laughs> uh, -huh. uh but i 
but um but i but i do have a lot of fun with that so i was encouraged i think everyone needs to be encouraged even if you don't have a home to to put your 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 project in you have to if you come up with something a melody a thought a drawing an idea you got to put it down on paper capture it somewhere share it i'm always trying to tell people don't take your your fun for granted if you're enjoying discovering some new talent you know find a home for it draw it write it record it even if you don't share it just just keep doing it, you know, keep expressing yourself. So, yeah, uh, just listening to that. And so I think I was, I mean, I was reading a, uh, a, uh, it was an interview that somebody did or a story they did on Jim Carrey. And he, oh. was, he they, they, that's what, that's what you reminded me of it. Your story reminded me of his story here. I'm talking about it. So I think his dad was like, sort of like a Jim Carrey light, you know, <laughs> he was like yeah. that. Story. And I think Jim watched the- his dad and, you know, um, Jim was an art. Jim is an artist now. We see that, and he was an artist back then as a kid. I'm an mm-hmm. artist also. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. Uh, but okay. So, um, and so, how were you? You said you. You know how how were you when you moved from New York to California? Uh, I'd have to calculate it, but it was uh, we moved when uh, after third grade, so whatever age that would be, nine or ten or something like that, and uh, so that was. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, we moved out here, and I actually had gone through, as I showed you for the listeners at, 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 at home there, I showed you a picture earlier of my kindergarten picture and di- my class picture. Did you have a hard time picking me out in that photo? Yeah, I mean, Thomas was the, I mean, I think there were three non-black people in the photo, and only one of them looked like Thomas, you yeah. know? <laughs> so. It was easy. Thomas is right there on the very left, the far left end of the second row. Um, so, yeah, a very unique perspective growing up. Um, you know, obviously, we all have different stories. And, you know, um, I can't take for granted what I went through. It was great. I happened to learn that the people around me, uh, our neighborhood, my best friend just happened to be a different color than me and everyone else I knew was except for my family growing up through third grade. That was back in New York, in Long Island, in uh, Wyandanch. And so um, I got to learn a little bit about, you know, how at that time folks would, you know, uh, the young kids were taken out there understandable aggressions on the person who looked different than they did and so pow to the to my little kid's face unfortunately and so i became very introverted and stuttered so it was very debilitating i only learned many years later through some helpful therapists through school you know uh, like she stuck a uh, star a gold star on a piece of paper and said here let's have a conversation while you talk to the gold star and little by little she would move it to her arm to her shoulder until eventually it was right between her eyes so i had to learn eye contact and so that is a cool or interesting memory and now I find that as an adult that I've kind of over overcompensated for having had a, a, a bad time communicating. Um, and now over the years, it's become, you know, a, a bunch of different things, like you said, musician and artist and things like that. So I think I, I think I overcompensated. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. we all. Go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, no, that's fine. I could go on a list, which I'm sure will come up, of all the different things that I've done and learned and tried to create over the years and trying to keep a good attitude about 
creating and and you know always encouraging others to develop their own talents as well yeah i think i think uh most most creatives uh you know come you know, a lot of people especially like comedians uh you know it comes from uh you know some some trauma in, in different places of their lives early on and, and and then they get older and this is the way that they kind of express themselves or they use their art and their creativity um, as mm -hmm. an outlet. And when you tell the story about being the only, you know, basically the only white kid growing up around uh, black yep. kids in New York and, and you know, being, you know, bullied or whatever by the, you know, by the, you know, the, the different yeah. race of kids, that, that automatic, uh, automatically reminds me of, uh, you know, another famous New Yorker, uh, Howard Stern. Uh, I heard he, someone he was telling me, what do you know about that? He came up like that. He went to high school with, I don't, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, the young age, like elementary, like you, but I know when he was in high school, he mm. was like the old, pretty much the only white kid in his class. He went to school with all blacks and mm -hmm. they, uh, you know, gave him a really hard time, you know? So, but I think, you know, I mean, you're just, you're such a great guy. You didn't let it turn you into any way time. It doesn't seem like you're any, yeah, any or anything like that. Whereas Howard was, you know, kind of, you know, he always had his, you know, his little ribs and stuff about blacks on the show and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yeah, he would have had to have right been uh, brought up in a whole different uh, culture than I was then. You know, because like I say, when I moved to California, even then it was like, hey, this is the first time I've seen Asian people yeah. <laughs> in fourth grade. I'm going, huh? Uh, yeah, a whole different perspective. But yeah, I got um, actually. Um, a little attention kind of think of it after when I moved out, what was it? Maybe it was, I think it was when we moved out to California is that, um, someone in the, in the, um, what's the word in the schooling system, the educational system, uh, pulled me aside and gave me a test and uh, took me out of school, uh, out of the classroom and gave me a test. And I thought it was the strangest thing. A, a fellow in in a, in a room and a table and and talking with me and writing down my answers and etc. And then a week later or, or what have you, my mom gets a call at home and says, "Do you remember that test that they took you out of the room for and took?" I said, "Yeah," and she said it was a uh, like an intelligence test or something like that. And so I said, "It was," and she said, "Yeah," and you passed with flying colors. And I said, "Does that mean I'm stupid?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what that meant. And yeah. unfortunately, although what it, what it meant was, I suppose, maybe just a different way that my mind worked, it didn't mean I was an Albert Einstein or some genius or some straight A student, not at all. I'm doing research lately where they're telling me how a lot of folks um, in a similar situation where they say, oh, look, this kid's pretty smart, that they're also comparing it to just a different way your your mind works and that it's kind of like being on the fringes of the autism spectrum. And I'm going, wow, opening up whole new topics for me to look into and realizing how do people process information? How do they communicate? How do they express themselves? And a lot of my friends will accuse me of talking a little too literal sometimes. And I realize, gosh, this whole great big hairy ball of wax, all these problems, all these curiosities, and we're all so different. And in some ways, we're all the same. And I just don't know why people don't uh, 
<laughs> don't, you know, try to cultivate those commonalities more because it's always that way. In some ways, it's like even with age, I like to say in some ways I'm a wise old sage and in some ways I haven't even been born yet. So, yeah. you know, let's let's move forward and cultivate some creativity here, my friend. <laughs> right. Um, you're definitely right. We have we all have more in common uh, than we do uh, differences. Mm -hmm. Um so so you, you get to California, you say you moved to California in the, uh -huh. in the third grade. What part of California did you live in um, initially? Well, Southern California, that was uh, San Gabriel Valley, uh, Rosemead. Um, so we moved first. Was that Rosemead? Yeah. And then um, then to La Puente, which is the, yeah, also San Gabriel Valley uh, near West Covina. And went to high school in La Puente. That was, that was fun. That was great. Um, oh, what was cool is that my folks decided to open a shop locally when we moved to La Puente. And it was, yes, entertainment related in that it was called The Magic Shop. And my dad had a, you know, I guess you could say hobby of, of uh, 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 magic, a uh, uh, magician. When, he, when we moved to California, he found there was much more uh, call for magicians to play local parties than there were comedians and band leaders. So he, he got into, into that, and that was a whole other um, other thing where um, – we had a little retail magic shop. We had a little bakery next to us. The library was down the street. And so they would sell, uh, you know, little uh, magic retail items. Uh, you know, I don't even know what they, what did, it's been so long since I've, you know, I, I never jumped into the magic um, pool as a hobby as my dad did and what have you. Um, but all growing up, uh, all around the house was my dad showing us uh, routines and tricks and what have you. So that when we moved to California, he recruited my sister and I to join him. When he would do a magic act, he would sometimes book it as the three of us. So it was the coconuts. We were clowns. So he would do his magic act. My sister, two and a half years older than I and myself, would assist him as clowns for his magic act. And then she and I would do a puppet show where my dad built a stage for us that the two of us would stand behind and we would put our hands up to be able to show our four hands, our four puppets with a little like curtain and thing. Actually, my mom helped uh, make that. She was the seamstress. But it was great how growing up through fourth, fifth and sixth grade, we had this really unusual childhood where our weekends were, hey, uh, hey, kids, we got a clown job coming up uh, next Saturday. So, uh, so, uh, you know, get ready for that. Don't do anything else. Okay, sure. That'd be great. So <laughs> mm -hmm. my sister and I would joke around the house. How does that sound? A clown job. What does that mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like yeah, Exactly. But um, as part of the magic shop, they would sell uh, clown makeup. My mom would um, uh, buy uh, patterns to make costumes which she would then fancy up to make even better and then eventually getting i don't even know how many costumes that she would end up renting and all the locals around la puente would come for halloween to rent the costumes and come back with these great stories thank you so much i won a prize or what have you so it was a really different environment growing up in high school when they were doing this i would come home from school and work a little bit at the at the magic shop 
So it's kind of fun to reflect back. Someone needs to write a book. <laughs> There's been so many things that I've been through, all these different things. Um, so you said you mentioned fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and then mm-hmm. high school. At, at what point does the I feel like, I feel like once you you know hit you know puberty basically, so you mm-hmm. get to middle school. I feel like that's when those uh, the individualism starts to uh, come out in, in most people. At what point do you start? I mean, is it, it, it with your creativity? Is it, is it is it voice acting? Is it being a comedian? Um, at what point does that does that start for you? Uh, I I wish I knew what I need a mentor as far as being a comedian. I would love to put some thoughts together and turn that into a routine, and then see if I can keep that going. Um, if it's worth saying. It's worth putting into a song is another thing some folks have ha- have told me and I think is kind of cool. And um, I don't know, I'm getting off on a tangent here. There's so many things that I've done over the years. I'm 57, so I have to look back. And yeah, there's stuff I haven't even gone into yet. Um, acting is only a new thing for me. Only about 10 years ago did I begin to look into that and not take my uh, voice uh, skills for for granted, but I still really don't know where, how to focus them, when it's you know like we're all struggling through our day job, and that's a whole nother story for another time. But all I can say is, if anyone, if you or anyone there knows a great uh, second job for me, <laughs> I'm down in Hawthorne, or even better full time job, great. But you know what we all want better than a job, which means just over broke is that career where instead of surviving, just surviving, we want to thrive. And that's where I just don't have the resources to invest right now. I need more time, more money, more peace of mind. My job is killing me. And I would love to work at pursuing acting more. The thing is about 10 years ago, when some folks, some friends, old friends asked me kind of out of the blue, if I remember correctly, it wasn't me knocking on their doors saying, hey, can I be in your movies? It was some folks sort of knocking on my door saying, gee, uh, we, you know, I know, I know who you are. You know, you're a friend of mine. Do you want to be in this project? And it was nice that about 10 years ago, I had this happen. And here's a whole nother topic, uh, but I won't go into that, is that you know, say, uh, um, I'm not generally a sort of God-oriented person. Ooh, let's not talk about that. But I told myself, God, if you're listening, this is a nice message. You want me to get into acting? Don't just, if, if, if no, don't just, right. If, if you want to tell me something important, don't just tell me it one time, like people say. Not just two times. That's a coincidence. Tell me three times. So this is the one time in my life that I looked at, this situation. And I said, well, I guess I had better pursue it. There's nothing wrong with that. I had three different people ask me about getting into their film projects. And I thought, sure, why not? They know me. I know them. Uh, They're asking me to go and have a good time. And I figured I don't have any acting, um, you know, uh, 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 school under my belt or anything, but they're inviting me. So let's go have fun and let's learn. And I mean, I'll tell you one thing while, while I'm on it is that I learned like first thing when I was watching some actors on camera, they were supposed to be arguing. Yes, if you heard me say supposed to be, that's exactly where I'm going with it. 
because I saw two actors trying really hard to act like they were arguing as opposed to two people arguing. And that's the great paradox of acting. It's not acting. It's being real. Well, how can it be real and how can it be acting at the same time? It's a paradox. Don't figure it out. You can't. <laughs> so I thought to myself, these guys, I want to take them aside and say, what, what team do you like? Oh, you like that one? Well, you like the other one. What music do you like? What's better, this or that? And get them arguing and say, that's what an argument is. If you can put that on film, and then I realize my other lesson, it ain't my picture. <laughs> so shut up and let the disaster happen and learn. And so I've been trying over the years of 10 years to go to auditions and such. And that's worked out well for me in the beginning. Like I said, I had some folks, you know, come on in and, you know, they tell me, come on in and, and do this um, uh, movie for us. And um, I learned that people enjoyed my my voices, my talents. I was interested. I was asking them questions. And often these folks would give me referrals. I think that's how you and I bumped into each other, but I can't remember how that happened. It might've been, you know, maybe it was just an ad, Facebook ad that either you, you must have Facebook ad out. That's how you found me. I think years ago. Yeah, I think I, uh, I think I just posted to like one of those filmmaker groups. Right. Right. Narrator, and right. You responded to that, I think. And it was, you know, well, isn't it uh, isn't it cool to actually see that happen where it transposes from you put your heart and soul and everything you know into a film, and then there's a whole nother dimension when you add even a narration over the top, let alone mm -hmm. the foley, the right music, uh, different things. I'm learning that too, and would love people to get more into the into their um, editing programs. I think at this point, everyone probably has or can get a free. <laughs> video editing program i would just encourage everyone to create <laughs> follow their <laughs> if they if they ever wanted to get into video no excuse break open that you know computer and see what you have <laughs> yeah it's something on there i mean it's stock it's right it's built into the the mac yeah the the the, the mac the, the the iphone it's right there <laughs> they have oh, wow. for you. they have a something that records your voice they have something. They have iMovie to 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 edit your videos. I uh -huh. mean, it's it's set up. It's like a creative suite right in your in your hand on your computer. Anything just automatically. Um, yep. I know that you. I know two things. I know that you, you 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 told me that you had a uh, a, a public access show yeah. that you produced in the nineties, and you also uh -huh. had uh, a band that was uh -huh. called. The, 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 what was it called? There were several bands. Which several one bands, do you remember? Right. Yeah, uh, the Beasleys was one. Yeah, those, right? those Beasleys, like you put those your Beasleys. nose in the air in contempt. Those Beasleys. Yeah, and yeah. there's a it's a it's a cool thing when I was trying to suggest band names, uh, I just hit on that for some reason. It was a uh, it was named after this doll from an old TV show. It was an old lady doll named Mrs. Beasley from an old TV series called Family Affair. It was a sitcom from the late 60s, and it wasn't anything particular about the doll that caught my attention. It was just one of the icons, one of the pop icons that you go through in your head. What about TV shows or movies or popular things? So I was rambling off, 
different names. How about the the Spacelys, like uh, from the Jetsons, they have the Spacely Sprockets. How about the Sprockets? How about the this, the that? How about the Beasleys? And my friend lit up. He was on fire. He says, yes, yes. I said, why? He says, yes, the, the, the Beasleys. I said, why? He says, because it's an p- old political term that you put your nose in the air and it's describing out-of-touch white people who don't know how the working class works. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's those Beasleys up on the hill, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Beasley. And I thought, okay, fine. And then after about a year, we changed to those to try to make it a little more <laughs> contemptuous. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but at any rate, that was the last band I put together in the 90s. And that was four four guys. We have about four, at least four albums worth of original material up on Bandcamp. Okay. And so I'll just... Start there, and you can tell me if you, <laughs> if you, if you poke around there, what interests you? Because I um, can go on and on. <laughs> you well, can find going. it easily. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, well, yeah, because there's many different tangents. Yeah, those Beasleys um, was a cool project. Like I say, we have I think three, at least three original albums there on Bandcamp, and there's there's no audience. We never tried to promote ourselves. We played maybe a dozen live shows uh, in the San Fernando Valley back in the 90s. And um, actually, two other guys in the band, uh, most of the time we were a trio. And we were composed of two other public access producers. We were all producing TV at the same time. We had uh, Gary Ray on guitar, and he produced a show... um, what was it called? Mine was called At Chew. Uh, his was called Offbeat. And then we had a fellow named Mike Meadows who played uh, another guitar and keyboards. And he had a show called Learn to Paint or Something. That was the name of his show. Learn to Paint or Something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So always, always a lot of fun. So these are all sorts of archival stuff that one of these days some enterprising person is going to digitize and we can all enjoy this library of weird old (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh video yeah one of these days i gotta digitize it some of it's online some of my show is online at you uh tv i think one or two episodes my final episode is up there but that's i could i could go off we were talking about those beasleys and there were other bands as well (laughs) good so 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 you've done the music thing uh you've done acting you've done voice acting And let's yeah. tell me about the, uh, the the TV show that you produce. Yeah, uh, here we were back in the '90s uh, when we didn't have all of this, you know, YouTube, and um, the thing to get your own, uh, you know, your own um, video on TV was you'd have to go to your public access channel, uh, which your cable company had to do uh, by contract with the city. If the, if the, your cable company got a contract with the city, they were obligated to offer so many services to the public for free. And one of those services was to allow, uh, the community to, uh, come in, uh, anyone can have their own show, uh, abiding by their own, uh, by the, the standards that, that you have to do, you know, you can't do everything, but, um, so yeah, in the nineties, I was able to go in there. I sat through their little orientation and then ended up doing, uh, producing 20 half-hour episodes from 1990 through 1994, and a show that I called At Chew, which I would have changed. I wouldn't have used that name, but um, 
it was kind of like at you. We're giving the show to you. No, no big deal. It doesn't matter. I just, it's a fun little, fun little show. So what I envisioned it as was a variety show, something that would put me on the edge of my seat. I didn't want to be the show of, you know, one guy sitting there in a chair uh, going, hi, welcome to my show. Um, we're going to do a bunch of things right now. And <clears throat> we have a guest. I thought, you know, we have a blank canvas. We can do whatever we want with it. So I tried to have a variety of things. We would have um, some in-studio guests that would perform music. And uh, they were different every time. Sometimes I have two or three different guests. And then you would cut that between uh, video footage. So I would uh, bring in um, other video of, uh, say, comedy or spoken word or music and and put that in. That was so fun before we had all of this computer technology. Um, it was a bit challenging. <laughs> I had to um, I had to purchase three quarter inch tapes, which are I guess they're they're big old boxy things they are probably about, you know, six inches deep by, you know, 10 inches left to right. Big old gray, chunky tape, about an inch and a half thick, which they used, uh, you know, in in TV, I guess, industry standard, whatever. Big old chunky, not even VHS, bigger than that, three-quarter inch tapes. And I had to buy two of those, give them to the studio, and they would record two versions or two copies of my show as it would uh, as it would be done, what they would do is you'd go in, say on a Saturday or a Sunday, they'd book your, your time, they'd book you two hours, and then you had a little two hour slot in order to make a half hour show. And they said they were cultivating you to get everything prepared in an hour and a half so that at that last half hour, they would go, okay, and your show starts now. Then they start recording and then they don't stop recording until a half hour later. So that's where we were kind of live, but we weren't live over the air. We were just, you know, recording the show and then a half hour later stopping. So if there were accidents, you would have to keep them in. I didn't even learn to edit anything. I couldn't get access to their stuff or I wasn't really interested in that until the last, the 20th episode. I didn't even appear in it. But as a producer, I had the most control over that show because I was able to edit exactly, I was able to edit it together exactly how I wanted it. It was like, kind of like my favorite show. And that was from 94. And now all these years later, we're doing all this on our phones from stuff we carry in our pockets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so getting off on the technical is one kind of wonder, but uh, it was fun to be able to uh i would take my uh camera of course we didn't have the camera phones take my camera down to the local open mic nights and uh sometimes uh record them uh what was it? a place in north hollywood called the iguana cafe and i would uh record them sometimes and then ask some of the guests to appear on the show or just use those clips sometimes so we had it. We had a uh, a blast. I should I, I should yeah I should go into that sometime. I need to start cataloging that and give that a proper home. But that's another project for another day. I really need to make a YouTube page devoted to to the old at you uh, TV show. I did a lot of experimental comedy there. That was fun. I had a good old friend 
Uh, we've had a falling out since, but on At Chew, we had a lot of uh, sort of abstract comedy, like talking uh, in a language that doesn't make any sense, and yet still making people laugh. That was so fun. Like, for example, uh, I guess, what's his name does that? Uh, sort of Borat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we weren't anything like him, but it's it was really fun as a public access producer to uh, really work on your own comedy stuff at home. Whatever, whatever me and my friend, we would, you know, work on stuff that would make us laugh. And I said, if it makes us laugh, it's good enough. You have to capture it and share it. And sure enough, when we would debut some of these things in the studio with these older guys, I mean, the, the you know, it seemed like adults who were running the thing and, excuse me, us in our 20s feeling self-indulgent with our humor that we felt no one would, would, would relate to. Okay, and now we're in the studio. I have my guests and I'm going to cut away and we're going to show our latest comedy video. Here you go. Then they would press play. And my friend and I would sit there with our heads in our hands going, oh, these guys aren't going to understand this. They're not going to appreciate it. Oh, they're laughing. Yeah, they're probably laughing at how bad it is, how how not good. It, oh, they enjoy it. They like it. Oh, OK, we got to keep this going. I don't know what's so funny about our humor, but just, you know, it makes us laugh. But that was that was then. This is now. Now, my big challenge is to take. uh uh, 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 sort of an inventory of what I can do voices, probably number one and try to come up with a project that's going to best showcase that it's kind of a back burner thing right now. I don't have the priority to really make it, you know, the number one right now, I got other concerns, but I'm tending to it, checking the spices, seeing how it's going, thinking about it. I've got to maybe come up with, I don't know, a video, probably a set of videos. I don't know, but, uh, that's going to be the next big project. So, from A to yeah. Z. <laughs> as, as you were talking, you know, made me wonder, like, have you ever, have you ever thought about maybe putting together like a one man show? <laughs> yeah. You know? I would love to, because it could also feature music, comedy, voices, uh, drama, <laughs> guests, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind a cameo every, every show. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I have a, a old friend come to think of it, who was telling me about, one man shows what he was like renting a small venue in uh, like North Hollywood where some of the, excuse me, some of these smaller venues are. Um, but I wouldn't even know where to, where to begin. That's again, I'm looking for like a mentor or a team of folks to help me develop this to, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, point out what, what I can do next, how I can, how I can cultivate and harvest some of these things. Um, I probably should, you know, I need, I, like, for one, I need a way to a system in order to put down ideas. Through all these years, I've had original, like, jokes or what have you uh, that I need to start collecting. I need to, uh, a, a place I can put them in, whether that's a voice recorder or just a notebook, but it just seems overwhelming at times. <laughs> I just need to have some one, I suppose, one place I can just, you know, keep everything there and then later on go over it and, and harvest it and see what I can do or, you know, develop, um, characters using a camera. Uh, I need to do like screen tests and, and use all the voices for different faces and, 
try on different glasses, different outfits, see, see, you know, try to develop some of these uh, voices into full, uh, full fledged characters. I think I just, I'm looking for, you know, some folks of a like mind that maybe we can put something together even bigger perhaps and help each of us in the way, you know, uh, along the way. Yeah, know where well, to I, begin. yeah. <laughs> I, I for sure look uh, forward to, you know, working with you uh, even more. Um, okay. I, you know, like you said, man, it's just, I, I sit up there all the time and I just think about like all the potential for people, because, you know, like you said, with, with, uh, you know, just the technology and how everything mm-hmm. is right. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, like I always say, you know, there's, there's no more barrier to entry, you know, because everybody has the equipment that they need to do whatever they want to do, yeah. you know? And I think the best thing to do is just is to just do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and and when when I learn enough of these things, I would love to teach people as well. And of course, that's through video. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, once once I get some of these things under under my belt, it's like what I what I look for. If I do a, a half dozen or a dozen talents, I need to accommodate them, accommodate me. I need all of my stuff set up like I can walk over to a blank canvas and be able to grab the paint and put the paint on the canvas. I need to be able to have that ability with voice recording and with video recording. And right now I don't have that. It's a inconvenient, you know, I gotta, I gotta focus on getting a better job, getting a better income, to be able to free myself from this. Uh, I'm selling overpriced coffee is what I do for a living. Let's just leave it at that. Um, that's what I do for a living. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a whole nother story for another day, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, hanging in, hanging on just like you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, bro. You know, never give up. Um, yeah. So, old old so, friend of mine, when you say never give up, I must share briefly that, uh, old friend of mine said, I don't know the formula for success, but I'll tell you what the formula for failure is. And that is to stop and not yeah. do anything that works every time. All right, Thomas, man, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining me. Uh, there's a possibility that Thomas and I, this is, this isn't the last time that you hear Thomas on the podcast. We could become a regular, uh, you know, we're, we're, I, I think this went well for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to to uh, talking with you again and seeing right. what we can develop. That's right. All right. So, uh, so thanks again, Thomas, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and so, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And so, uh, before I get out of here, just a reminder to rate, review, or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast. The show was also on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every other major podcaster. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TC Pod Network and to like it on Facebook. Just search for the Complete Podcast Network. I am out.